everyone to another episode of My Games All Day. I'm Dan, the part-time inventor, and Mark the resident Jedi. Hello there. Happy Valentine's Day to everybody, or Valentine's Week. I don't think it's coming out on the actual day, but we needed an excuse to do somewhat of a romantic action-y comedy, and we picked something that I thought would be right up the part-time Avengers alley, something that had, um, you know, more uh, more superhero actors and actresses in it than um, anything that we've watched recently. There's Oscar winners, Golden Globe winners, and just just a whole lot of positive people from some movies that we really love. And this week, we're going to talk about a little popular movie called Scott Pilgrim vs. the World. But before we heap love there, there's some shit going on that we want to talk about. Oh, there is shit. There's always shit amongst the world. And uh, my favorite type of shit to talk about is MCU and comic book movies. So uh, that is the headline for this week. It's Matthew Vaughn talking about how Deadpool 3 is going to respark and reignite the MCU. So you've got the endorsement of arguably... Uh, the director who made the best X-Men movie with X-Men First Class. Uh, and he just has like a killer resume. I mean, he has every like Kingsman was freaking awesome. Uh, he got X-Men First Class. He has a solid lineup of movies. So I'm I'm a big fan of Matthew Vaughn. And the fact that he is kind of endorsing the Sean Levy, uh, Hugh Jackman, Ryan Reynolds, Deadpool. I'm for it. Like if, if he got a good qualified director to make those types of claims and say something like that. I'm all about it. You know, his exact quote was Deadpool three is going to give the MCU a jolt and it's, it's going to save the whole Marvel universe. So fucking a man, how, how much better can you get of an endorsement? I'm skeptical of an endorsement from a director. That's not directing the movie. We're giving him all his cred for things he's created not for his taste in films. Did he give you like a top five movies he liked? Directors like movies. And this is a director I respect. So I'm going to take it to the bank on this one. And plus, I think Deadpool 3 is going to rock anyways. So put that in your pipe and smoke it. Uh, another thing that is brand new uh, that I was super excited about and will be released on Amazon Prime Video. I shot you a text message earlier in the week. It was Conor McGregor and Jake Gyllenhaal in the remake of Patrick Swayze's Roadhouse. Roadhouse. So, holy hell. Yeah. Or just we're going to roadhouse the shit out of everyone for like the weeks leading up to that movie. It's going to be so much fun. We're going to be like, we're going to be like Peter Griffin and Family Guy, just talking about Roadhouse all the time. I'm going to start practicing and- my roundhouse kicks. I was skeptical when I saw it. I watched a, a preview and I was um, pleasantly surprised that they kept a lot of the the like callbacks to it. A lot of the, the lines like the, the classic one-liners are there. And he even does uh, Jake Gyllenhaal is even doing like Swayze esque uh, uh, ab workouts in this. So it's, it, it, it has potential to be awesome with a new twist that he's an ex UFC fighter instead of just a man wandering the earth. So yeah. there might be grounding in why, Roadhouse is so roadhousey, as opposed to I came with boots and I kick. Yeah, uh, 
I'm really surprised with what seems to be like a big role for Conor McGregor. I'm a big Conor McGregor fan. And uh, I mean, he was in that trailer all throughout. So I guess he is the big bad of the movie. Were you surprised by that at all? I mean, he hasn't fought in the UFC in how long he's like the next time he fights, it'll be his last fight because somebody's going to tear him apart. Um, No, no disrespect to Conor McGregor, but like he's, he's, he's living fat and high on the hog on that whiskey money. The one thing I thought about him in that trailer, I was like, damn, Conor McGregor feel you on that, on that, uh, that, that size increase there, bro. Love the blow up, buddy. You're looking, you look healthy in them cheeks. Love it. He's, he's looking huge. Like he looks even way bigger than Jake Gyllenhaal, which is, which is nuts. But I mean, you, so you weren't surprised that he has like a big role in that movie, you know, back to the question that I asked you. <laughs> well, I mean, if you look at it, like this is not, it's not unheard of to bring in um, unqualified actors to play bads in movies. And some of our favorites, right. We're like, Interesting choice, but it works, right? Like Mr. T in Rocky Three, um, you know some of the the first roles the Rock had, right? We're like, who are you? Do you remember Scorpion King? Terrible in that, but blossomed. Like Dwayne has gloated up, but you know you you get a few. I think I think all of the WWE Attitude Era guys have uh, have movie roles like that, right? Triple H. Stone Cold is in the longest yard. Goldberg's in some movies. Like you, you knew a UFC fighter would get there. And and you know, Connor apparently is the one with the least concussions. Do you think Gyllenhaal is gonna tear someone's throat out? Fuck yeah, I do. You think so? <laughs> Hell yeah. Listen, you can't do Roadhouse without that. I would be surprised if they did. Like, I think they might make a joke in the some sometime in the movie where it's like, what do you want me to do? Tear his throat out and then like smirk at the camera or something like that. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty I much think it. That Connor's got the bullseye on the neck tattoo, bro. It's coming out. It's coming <laughs> out, baby. Pull the tiger by the tongue. Um, That's it for the stuff that I had on my docket for uh, news and headlines. What about you? Do you got any Star Wars? I got, I got one love, love, love here on Valentine's Day. Showing love, loving Roadhouse and loving the idea the Bad Batch, while still going, um, Star Wars cartoon, to give you context, not something that you're interested or privy to, even though great carry-on for all of us uh, people looking for like decent Star Wars content, is bringing back additional like classic Clone Wars characters. The, they released a like preview of the, of the new season, or, or a, a, a sizzle reel, and uh, Asajj Ventress returning, a character that you've never heard of because you've never watched a Star Wars uh, animated. But um, bringing it back, somebody that was very active in some of the uh, some of the books and stuff like that afterward as well, somebody that's had the the thread pulled through her, um, uh, I guess, uh, time in the mythos. So that's coming. And Daisy Ridley's really excited about the Daisy Ridley Star Wars movie that's supposed to come out like saying I wouldn't sign on if it wasn't awesome. And, um, you know, I wouldn't sign awesome. on if I wasn't getting paid 12 and a half million dollars yeah, money. And it, they're coming <laughs> out of the woodwork though. Right. Because John Boyega 
recently commented like, well, I didn't say I wouldn't do it. I just said it had to be good. And I'm like, oh, buddy. Back up that lost, money truck. You lost you lost the opportunity to play Kang now, right? There have you heard those the 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 um the rumors about who they're gonna backfill Kang yeah. with? Yeah. Uh Denzel's son is I, one of the former the NFL running back. I you know what they should do is I and I cannot for the life of me pronounce the guy's name, but whoever played the high evolutionary in Guardians Three, that guy's so good. He could totally do that. And and I'm sure he could he could play different characters. Yeah. Just put a different face on him, right? Oh, give him hair. All you need to do is give him hair. That's it. You're all set. Fade him blue. Nobody will know. Nobody will know. No, that's that's terrible. I I do think that John David Washington could could do a good job with that. Uh, I've got mixed thoughts on that. Uh, I would rather see some other people. Uh, Not Boyega. I don't. I don't think Boyega has the acting chops. Boyega Uh, needs to crawl back to Star Wars. He, Boyega, Boyega does have skill. He he can play the different accents flawlessly, no problem. And I I appreciate his acting chops, but uh, I just don't think it's not Jonathan Majors, man. Like that's, uh, but the high evolutionary guy, absolutely, sign him up, sign him up. Otherwise, just go like completely whitewash him. What if Marvel did that? What if they like whitewash Kang? And uh, you mean? You mean they did the reverse of some of the yeah. the whitewash rumors that are out there? They just exactly. get a white ginger guy to do it. Yeah, get like Brian Scalabrine, the white mamba. It? What Brian Sc- former Chicago Bull legend? Oh, the, the white, white mamba. mamba. Brian mamba. Oh, man. oh my god! You'll love this. I was going through like some old stuff, like cleaning out a, a closet or whatever, and my wife's like, "We should donate stuff," and I found a Brian Scalabrine like bull shirt that I bought specifically to go to this game <laughs> that uh, uh, we were in like a box for something. And I'm like, I don't have a, I don't have any bulls gear. It's like not the nineties anymore. So I found a Brian Scalabrini like t-shirt Jersey rock. That's that hilarious. Thing. And Brian Scalabrini absolutely got into that game and dropped, dropped a three. He was chucking it, just hucking it oh, up there, man. baby. And I'm sure the crowd loved it. Oh, just it like was, it went. Biggest cheer of the entire night. Of course. Did you guys get like free Taco Bell too? They were going for the Big Macs, baby. Oh, Big Big Macs. Macs. That's what it was. But uh, just like the crowd loved it when Brian Scalabrini hit that three, uh, we're going to love talking about today's topic, and it's Scott Pilgrim versus the world. And um, I want to talk about the origin of this movie. This movie has been out for a long time, uh, but what's your history with this movie? Um. I, I remember seeing this movie way back when, like watched it once because there was a lot of hype around it. It came from a very popular graphic novel and has spawned video games and now an additional animated series on Netflix. Like there's there's a lot of Scott Pilgrim going on and there has been for a while, right? Really popular. And, you know, I thought it was funny that you'd said you hadn't seen this or didn't remember seeing it. Because this seems like the perfect Dan movie, like Michael Sarah and a bunch of fight scenes. This is during like the three movie run of Michael Sarah as the leading man in emo romance comedies, right? It's it's Juno, it's this, and it's Nick and Nora's infinite playlist. I told my wife, like, this and Nick and Nora, some of the best like random movie soundtracks of popular music in that 
you know 2010s area of uh of of time well at this particular point in time i wasn't even full into the mcu either uh i didn't watch iron man or incredible hulk in theaters and i think i think this is probably right around the time that i did watch it uh on video rental but yeah i so i've never seen this i've seen clips of it here and there i always thought it might be interesting but because the way my brain is wired and and it was like dubbed like a romantic comedy i'm like oh <laughs> not for me son Shocking. sorry i'm not I'm the listeners not are shocked it. when i started seeing clips of this and realizing like how stacked this movie Dude. was i'm like yeah i want to watch it and i always said that i would watch it and i would i i think it's been on my like netflix uh playlist or, or my list for months upon months and i was just like waiting for the right time to watch it and here it is time for the podcast and and just in time for valentine's day for valentine's day week so uh yeah that's my history and uh what type of expectations did you have going into this movie i remember enjoying it i remember um you know after the first time i watched it i uh i i was i was heavy into the soundtrack for a minute like um I, I I used to dig uh punk music and, and just rock in general like that. So I was I was listening to a little sex bomb. Um, but I was stoked to to watch it again and just kind of get uh, my wife hadn't seen it. I don't think she'd ever heard of it. So to get her to to even during the opening credits, she's like, Wait, who's in this? And it just <laughs> keeps going and keeps going. The cast of this movie very much just carries the excitement level and i'm surprised that this isn't like it's popular but like the level there's oscar winners golden there's there could be well no it's, it's a tv award right but there's golden globe winners in this people's choice awards winners oscar winners like this is stacked three avengers right and a superman and a superman and um uh, Allison Pill was in Picard. She was kind of a big deal in the Star Star Trek world, and a member um, of the Suicide Squad. Yeah, I mean, it just it's 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 absolutely nuts. I didn't have that much of an expectation going in, other than the fact that this is going to be fun because the clips that I've seen circulating on like Facebook. Uh, you know, with Evans being in there, I thought Evans was going to have a more prominent part in this, but I was happy with, with what I got. I yeah. love like horny asshole, evil Evans. Like it's so good. And that's why I liked uh, watching the gray man where he could be a little bit more serious, but still kind of be like that, that asshole of an, an evil bad guy. The, the whole idea behind seeing this cast list as I was going through the credits was just bonkers to me that, I didn't watch this sooner. So I, I already knew that I was going to be in for a good ride. Whether or not I was going to like it, that remains to be seen. But I knew I was going to have at least, for the very least, a, a lot of entertaining points for this. Even with the cast, I thought that the the ride of the movie, like the journey, I thought would fit for you when we were talking about this. And I'm like, ooh, Dan, I'm not going to tell Dan that there are seven fight scenes in this movie or more that are fully orchestrated and like OG ninja movie, like oh, fucking let's, let's talk oh. about that right now because those are good 
actresses. They are really good. And and I'm thinking back to the last Marvel movie that had action scenes that could rival that. And all I could go, I'm going way back to Shang-Chi. I figured and you would. Shang-Chi had fantastic martial arts mm-hmm. action. And this is like the same type of, you know, choreography. And, and granted, Edgar Wright isn't great at like the the martial arts or, or fight choreography stuff. Whoever was whoever he had in charge of that did a fantastic job. But Edgar Wright himself is the director. Uh, are you a fan of his movies? Um, I, I'm a fan of some of the stuff he's done, right? I, You know that I'm a huge Shaun of the Dead guy, and I love that group, right? The Simon Pegg, Nick Frost movies. Um, I, I, and The World's End, I thought, super underrated. As a, right. as a yeah. as a movie and you know there's there's some good stuff on there um the more recent things like last night in soho eh, but like baby driver was great yeah um you know i i i'm i'm i like some but i don't think he's got this amazing list i think that he's done a few really really tight movies like like i said hot fuzz Shaun of the dead um you know the the stuff with Frost and 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 that group is really solid. I'm curious and, as to how his Ant Man movie would have been, because there's still a lot of remnants of Edgar Wright ishness in that movie. But uh, before he was replaced by Peyton Reed, um, I think the soundtrack would have been slamming on Ant Man if Edgar Wright would have stayed on, because that's something that he does consistently in all of his movies is he has a fantastic soundtrack. Baby Driver was like one of my favorite movies of his, but also for that particular year because it had such a great soundtrack and he uses popular music well because it frames the situation. It adds to the mood. It adds to the whole hype of whatever's going on. So yeah, I'm all for it. I don't think that I had gotten as stoked for new driving music after Baby Driver since like the the second fast and the furious movie like i don't <laughs> think there'd been any like it was just such a tight soundtrack and i don't think this disappoints especially considering that it's surrounding like a singular band and they had to you know a lot of the the songs were very aligned in that way this was so tight and i also loved and you know me with this but i loved all of the video game references in this yeah all of the little clips of like music from zelda or whatever in it and they used a ton of them and each and every one of them was worth it to me give me your version of the plot i'm i'm, I'm always curious to hear those from you dude that lives in his in his buddy's basement uh fights for the girl of his delivery uh but in general i think this is such a quintessential movie and it's one of those movies that every generation has about the about like the male journey through relationships. And I think there's so many call outs in this to things that that just echo. Do you remember the movie um High Fidelity, the John yeah. Cusack movie? I that was a one of my favorite movies for a really long time. And you know, that movie is about a guy getting over the fact that he was the reason that that all of his relationships ended like it wasn't the universe it wasn't pop music it was just he was kind of a dick 
and he needed to own that. And I think that this movie is such a reflection of a guy getting over the fact that he broke up with this or this other girl broke up with him because he couldn't like handle everything else that was going on. Right. His first, his first relationship ended out of jealousy and his second one was starting to self-sabotage because he, he was just like, Oh, worried about this girl's past, not about any kind of future. And I think it's such a cool microcosm. I think these kind of movies come across like once in a generation where there's every generation has their quintessential, like dude, get your head out of your ass movie. This is one of them for me. This isn't under my definition of rom-com, you know, like this is something that is just more than that. It's if you were just to call it a rom-com, I think it undermines the whole gamut of what this movie could portray. And you, you bring up a really good point in, in terms of like, you know, you've got coming of age tales. You've got the you pull your head out of your ass romantic type of relationship situations. But this is a fun one for me because, yes, it has the video game references. It, it's obviously based off of a graphic novel. So you have some great animation and CGI of comic book reference type stuff. Right. And then you have like the romantic plots in there, but it's very relatable. You know, like uh, there is something watching this movie now that I probably wouldn't have thought anything of prior to, you know, like when you watch this for the podcast, did you sort of squirm a little bit when they said like, oh, he's dating someone in high school and he's 22 years old? Did he kind of like eh, a little bit? No. I don't think careful. I careful. Careful. I it, they they how old I don't even remember how old he was. Twenty two. He's twenty two. So seventeen. Remember when when, when I was twenty two? I'm pretty sure my wife was in high school. But did you date her? No, no. <laughs> See, there's no, the but, there's the difference. There's the difference, though. But but I think that's a microcosm on somebody who who lacks confidence and is just you know, dating a girl or, or in a relationship that he can 100% control with somebody that's nowhere near like an equal partner from any perspective, right? Like, and he gets to just continue to be a child, right? Like they have their DDR uh, choreography and they the, the whole band was worried about her having like an opinion on their band as opposed to just fanning out. Like, it's just a safe relationship to the, to the movie's credit and to the character's credit. The cringe wasn't like, Oh, he's banging a 17 year old. He yeah. was very, I thought respectful of that situation. Right. And uh, you know, I, I don't, I, that didn't, that's why I don't think it cringed me because Michael Sarah doesn't seem like a predator in, yeah. unless you're watching that movie where Rihanna punches him in the face. <laughs> that that was my favorite Michael Sarah performance. Uh, yes, it was, very, it was so my good. favorite Rihanna performance as well. Because who doesn't want to punch Michael Sarah in the face? Ah, he he could be my friend, and, and you know what? He is a friend of the podcast. Michael Sarah, next time you're in town, just come on over to the studio, and we'll we'll have you on. Yeah, like for that, I I don't know if he was even just the polite nice guy. I think he was just inexperienced, kind of nerdy awkward and and that's what it was there's like this hidden confidence in him obviously with the whole fighting of the seven x's when he meets ramona 
I wasn't sure if they were trying to Tarantino this motherfucker where it was like time jumping. Even my wife, uh, we were watching it uh, together and she's like, what the fuck is going on right now? Is he just like, is Scott Pilgrim just kind of like this weirdo that that thinks things are dreams, but it actually happened or he thinks it happened, but they were actually dreams, whatever. Right. Yeah. That's the only thing that took me out of the situation. I'm going to be honest, the the bouncy cuts in this and just the, the, the quick back and forth really played well for my ADD. Like I was just like, Ooh, a thing and they're shiny and we're moving and we're moving right along. And there wasn't like, I love me a Tarantino movie. I love the going back and getting, getting context, but movie didn't need it. Chug along, baby. Let's go. Yeah. And I thought it kept it really tight. Like there wasn't a point in this movie where I'm like, Oh, this is the slow part. It played off very well because it's almost like the, uh, the comedies that we would watch, whether it's like top secret or hot shots, or it's like joke after joke after joke. It just keeps on going. This, it wasn't jokes, but it was jokes, great imagery, great music, cut scene to something else, introducing a new character. It was nonstop. So it was, I thought it was like a very quick paced type of movie, which I'd like, but there are times where that could detract the overall story are you making a quick movie just to cram all the shit in there or is as a viewer and as an audience are we just in for this uh almost teenage late you know uh early adult type of phase in their lives to where everything is very fast everything is one after another there are no breaks you just go from one thing to the next and you're on your new adventure. I think that's why I appreciated this movie as much as I did, because it wasn't just a quick comedy relief or quick cuts for for that sake. It it was a purpose and, and the whole kind of uh, demographic and, and culture of the people that are in the movie. That's what their lifestyle was like. Do you ever play in a band? Not like the type of band where we did gigs at like coffee houses and shit like that. Well, although we did do a, co- a gig at a coffee house, but nothing that was like really cool. So no, yeah, no, <laughs> no, I didn't do cool bands either, but I, I dug the, just the, the, I thought the musicianship in this movie um, was pretty solid. Whatever bass player they got to play those bass riffs was fucking killing it. That, that type of music and that type of, band mentality right mm-hmm. like it was so cool to see that because it, it kind of takes me back like oh man i wish i could play in a band because it's there's nothing better than that thrill to be on the stage and performing and that's that's kind of what i miss when it comes to bands and uh, significant others breaking them up or throwing their opinions out like yoko and john with the beatles uh that sort of it doesn't come into play for this but anytime, like, I love the fact that they play off of that. It's like, oh, there's a girl. She better not do this shit. Better not do that shit. Like, but it does, though. It does, because Scott was Brie Larson's bass player. Yeah. Like, it yeah. totally did. They already yogoed it. This is fucking Wings versus the Beatles, in a way. Right? Like, it's it's really cool. But he took himself out of the situation anyway when young Neil... Uh, took over his bass part because of you know towards the end of the movie he wanted to sell out yeah exactly i thought that was. i hilarious. like that they call that out too it's like we're here yeah, to sell out, out. <laughs> so yeah. obviously though this is a 
episode that we're releasing for Valentine's Day, and it has to do with romance. So when Scott meets Ramona Flowers, it's just like that instant magnetic attraction. Like, I need to talk to that girl. That's what it is. So do you have any, like, weird dating stories of of something similar or, or that plays in the same vein as this movie? No, I've never had good luck with, I need to talk to her right now. Because that usually happened in situations where um, judgment was clouded by substance, right? Like, I don't know that that I, I, I've been in situations where that's been good, but I do have a really awesome dating story around um, co-arcade video game play. So, you know how they were playing DDR in that game and they were like fucking flippy spinning all over each other? I was decent at a little game called Guitar Hero. Yeah, which yeah. you know was was super fun, and um, I, I I call it a date uh, uh, because um, even though I think we were married at the time, but me and my wife took a took a little trip to the uh, the the most classiest place along the Canadian American border, and that's Niagara Falls. And uh, we went we went to a restaurant and had had some dinner and had like two or three bottles of uh, cheap Canadian hooch wine. Um, and we're stumbling back to the hotel to this wide open, amazing arcade and definitely spent a good, what probably seemed like 15 minutes and turned out to be 45 stumbling our way through guitar hero. And it reminded <laughs> me, and, and this was like something that we did randomly. Anytime we'd see a guitar hero machine anywhere, no weird. I saw her across the room and I had to have her stories. Hmm. Uh, what about you what about you did you did you uh uh, looking through a smoke filled room smell of wine and cheap perfume and just make it happen you know it's it's funny i did have a there was a college story once where there was this uh um and i think i had mentioned on the podcast before so my old buddy tom who lived in a house with like a bunch of dudes not a frat house just like tom and the dudes yeah is that like is that like kieran culkin's dude bed Similar? No, no, no. Similar that job? was hilarious, though. Kieran Culkin. I oh. hate Kieran Culkin, but he was fantastic in this, and Dude, I just love the like fact Kieran Culkin. But for now, like big swing and dick, Kieran Culkin. This was like, oh, yeah. you're Macaulay's brother. Oh, I get exactly. it exactly. But uh, he he was so funny, and the fact that he stole um, Scott's sister's boyfriend was just hilarious to me. The fact that Anna Kendrick is in this movie and Audrey Plaza is in this, like the whole cast is yeah. like. It's you a great could cast. Never afford to make this movie now with these people. The story that I have was, and I won't go into too much detail with it just because who cares about ex girlfriends? But this one was kind of funny just in the fact that I was at a college party and there was a girl that I found attractive. And, you know, I was just trying to trying to talk to her a little bit more. She ended up going off with, with one of the other guys at the party. It's, and, and, that was that. That was that. It turns out that I dated her eight years after the fact, and I didn't know that that was the girl from the party until I randomly saw a Facebook picture that I was tagged in, and she was in it. And I was just like, wait a second. That's you? And you were... And so it was like this whole dynamic of like, uh, she thought I was mad because she went off with another dude. I was like, that was like eight, literally eight years ago. So yeah, it doesn't bother me, but it was just kind of weird and coincidental that eight years later we ended up dating. 
um, and and never had talked to each other after that party until we started dating. So uh, that's that's the only. only Did she strange... have a yellow umbrella? No, oh. no. But lots of other vices. So if that if there's points for that, plenty of vices, <laughs> and yeah. But uh, with uh, on, on the opposite side of the spectrum, though, oh. so we, like there's there's a dating story right there for you. Have you ever dragged your feet while breaking up with a girl like how Scott seems to do with Knives Chow, which, by the way, is an awesome, awesome name uh, for no reason at the beginning of the movie that you're thinking like, wow, that's a strange name. But yeah, it definitely comes into play later on. Yeah, later on. But is that like borderline offensive at the beginning of the movie that they 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 named the Asian girl Knives Chow? I mean, if it was, it, did anyone think anything of it in the graphic novel? Probably not. So I don't see why we have to. I think we're at that point where we're probably uber sensitive just in case. So I, I didn't have a problem with it. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, you would be the, the person that I would ask. I would be the closest was, one. Yeah. I'm just so. saying that then if, <laughs> if you don't have a problem with it, I don't have a problem with it. Um, you know, I feel like this movie brings back into context what dating used to be like pre-social media and smartphones. Like breakups were not like you couldn't FaceTime them and it wasn't in parlance to like just text it. Though I don't know about you. Totally been broken up with via text, um, it, it, it before uh, in relationship that lasted more than like two weeks. So it was a uh, it was a low ball. But yeah, I I um, t- um side you yes no text uh text I don't think so. Mm, you are a better man so. than I. But I I have been in that situation where you're just like, well, this opportunity is much better than this opportunity, which is going nowhere. But I can't really like it's just a you don't have that communication point. So you pulled the Scott Pilgrim. Just... No, I mean it doesn't matter. This was this was so long ago, and and well, no, that's what I'm, but I'm asking like that's that's what I'm trying to get like. So, I mean, we've you... all, I think that I think that I've been caught up in a situation like that. Okay, right where where you're just like, oh, but I can't do it until we're like actually talking. And like that takes effort, uh, you know, and, and I think that now you just don't, it's such a different social dynamic. I, I do have a funny breakup story and, and yes. I, I don't know if I necessarily want to talk about it, but I Dude, you had do. an amazing, I saw a girl at a party and she rejected me yet. I stalked her for eight years and got back at it story. So no, what's next that, that, for the record, not stalking. It was like by sheer coincidence. And we didn't even recognize each other from that party. The The whole situation. So I was dating this girl and she had a, a pretty overprotective parent. And for me, I was just always like, yeah, I'm kind of not into that. I, I don't really, I don't, I didn't, I wasn't a great, boyfriend or person to date in high school because I was so insecure about myself that I wouldn't put myself out there or even just be cordial to like parents. I I wouldn't know what to do. I I would just kind of actively try and seek a way out of interaction with them. And and one time in in particular, uh, there was a person that I was dating. Uh, Her parents were picking us up from bowling or something. And I decided to opt out of that ride and rode with someone else on the way home. And I didn't even think anything of it. 
I didn't think anything of it, but she was not very happy. And all my friends were like, why didn't you ride with her? I was like, I don't know. I just thought I'd hang out with you guys. Like, it didn't occur to me that I was that, you know, clueless in, in terms of dating. But uh, this story is I was dating. I was dating a girl, very overprotective parents. And uh, there was a dance coming up. So I guess I, I pinned it to high school. Right. So there's a dance coming up in high school. And uh, I decided to break up with her in person so that at least that I wasn't over text. Thank God. You know, I'm not that piece of shit. But so I ended up uh, breaking up with her. And then she's like, does this mean we're not going to go to the dance anymore? And like, that's like the worst, the worst question that she could have asked, because I'm sure my face was like, yeah, that means we're not going to go to the dance anymore. Like, that's the reason why we're breaking up is because I don't want to get grilled by your parents before the dance. I already felt uncomfortable and we weren't even having the conversation. So uh, I end up taking a friend just a friend to the dance and then everyone got mad at me after that because they thought you broke up with her because you're dating this other girl and it's like no this other girl's like my sister and and we're still friends to this day which is hilarious uh because like i, I think i told her about that story and uh she's like what it was like the the grossest thing that we could hear because like ew no we're not dating that's like disgusting and gross but yeah this girl sweetheart but at the same time, I just, yeah, uh, I'm, I wasn't a good boyfriend in high school. Not, not a good boyfriend, not because I was, I treated them badly. It was just, I wasn't mature enough to, to really to do stuff in high school. You know, I just wasn't mature enough to, to have conversations. Oh, dude, that's like, that's like a microcosm of my early twenties. I just wasn't mature enough. You at least like met some parents. I, I was a no parent meeting person. I, that was, that was my breaking point. I think, I think in total, in the entirety of my dating life, I think I've met three parents total in any <laughs> relationships, including my wife's parents who were awesome. By the way, um, I did get a death threat the night I met her parents though, but it wasn't from them. It was from her uncle. That's like the typical American family thing to do. Right. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah. the only thing that I can think of, cause I only dated white girls. So that was in the back of my head, too, is like these parents are going to hate me because they're probably, you know, I mean, pissed you, off that their did. daughter is dating someone who's not white. You know? suburbs that's, that's, Chicago. Yeah, you probably were too far off. I would like to think not. I think I made it worse than it really was. But uh, I'm sure that there's some preference, at least, of like. Couldn't you talk to Johnny on the football team or something like that? Like that's that's probably you know is going on in, in some of their heads. But no, everyone that I did meet, they were all super nice. They were very cordial to me, very polite and very inviting. I just didn't know how to handle it. I was so insecure with that that I couldn't get over that fact, and so I just made it awkward for myself. But I think that's where I, this I, movie really kind of comes in, though, and why it resonates with me in a way that's not like make fun of it is because it, it, it accentuates the already awkwardness of Michael Sarah in what would be realistic situations from a guy's point of view. My wife yeah. was like, why is this guy being so awkward? I'm like, Oh, you've never. Yeah. No, this is like actually what happens between the ears. This is so 
sickeningly accurate. It is. That it's, I'm it's so like, glad you say that man. because that's exactly what I was thinking as I was watching this. And I think that my wife was like, huh? Yeah, whatever. Why, why are you overthinking things? And I'm like, no, that's like all men do in relationships. That's it's what either, we do. We either overthink it or there's the guys that don't think about it all and they're terrible people. I um, definitely would rather overthink he, than not think. I think we both overthink. That's why we get along because we overthink. Do you together. think so? Do you really think that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we're wrong. You know, the one thing <laughs> that I don't have to overthink about the fact that there's one other standard dating move in this movie that even, you know, when did this come out? Like, um, 2010, 2010. So even 14 years later is still a laughable addition yet very relevant when Michael Sarah goes all Ken and whips out the guitar and has to serenade. Like, I'm just like, ah, he's just not singing the right song. It's like Barbie. And my wife laughed at that part. She was like, ha it is. I love Barbie. My favorite character out of that entire thing besides uh, Mermaid John Cena. Yeah. So well, going back to the movie, we, we took a slight detour. So for, for any of our friends uh, that knew us back in high school and all that stuff, I'm sure you'll appreciate those stories or be like, like, hey, I remember that. Great for you. But going back to the movie, um, with the the plot as it's driving through of everything. So we're we're seeing all these great cameos and and bit parts from amazing cast. You mentioned Anna Kendrick and Jason Schwartzman comes into it, but uh Thomas Jane is in it along with Clifton Collins. Like holy shit. Stacked movie. How is it that you're reacting to this stuff and are you having fun just by seeing the cameos or what they're actually doing? and contributing to the movie. I think the cameos carry the day, right? Though there are those performances that are just amazing, right? Like Kieran Culkin. Kieran Culkin is a huge part of this movie, even though he's got a smaller part. And he brings the noise from a comic perspective, which, you know, to now see him in succession where he's not trying to be funny. Um, I, I, I definitely love the, um, the, the fact that he was in this and, and just, I, it, it, it carried the day for me on the funniness. Like all of these, these cast people have the capacity to be hilarious and it just works. It just works in such a big way. Do you have a favorite besides Karen Culkin? Do you have another favorite cameo or maybe, maybe cameo is the wrong word. Just another favorite uh, character that was in the movie. You know, I, I, I love the over the topness of so many of the exes. And I'd love to say that Evans, um, you know, shout out friend of the podcast, Chris Evans, uh, it was my favorite. And he's like, I'll grind this rail the whole way. Yeah. And it's all my stuntmen, all that. And I, I, I love that. But Brendan Roth in this. Oh, my God. Yeah. The, the whole like and, and Evans with the Batman voice very much. I was like, he's doing Batman voice because apparently talking like this, it makes you Batman. Um, it's just great, but the whole vegan powers thing, yes, just was amazing. Like, this is so funny, and it's like, you know, no disrespect to anybody who chooses, uh, you know, veganism for whatever reason, and, and you know, your beliefs are your beliefs, but you have to know that there are people in your community that do it for not for like 
you know, I care reasons. They do it for the fact that they can just use it and weaponize their veganism. And I love the idea that this was called out because yeah. especially when this movie came out, veganism was super weaponized and he was a super Saiyan of weaponized veganism. <laughs> That's exactly what he was. He was super Saiyan for all those people who get that reference. But that, that was like my favorite thing too. I, I was like, I was thinking like, Oh, you're going to say Evans and I'm going to say Superman. But Brandon Routh was really great, and uh, he was, I, I mean, isn't that really the truth about veganism in the sense that back then, in, in 2010, uh, if you were a vegan, you were like upper echelon, creme de la creme, not like the scum of the earth walking around eating burgers, right? Like, the fact that I'm you got vegan. powers. I only eat yeah. the fries at McDonald's getting uh the powers from being a vegan was so funny because people truly believe that they have powers when they become vegan that i swear to god that's the really vegan what police I, the feel by the way oh yeah amazing cameo there too yes but the fact that they're like chicken's not vegan <laughs> what that that was uh so clifton collins and thomas jane th those were my favorite uh cameos out of everything with the exception of brandon routh brandon routh was like my favorite character overall but the fact that they call themselves the vegan police and and just cited him for all the different the green uh, vegan violations the green oh yeah lasers? yeah oh. yeah it's so good and uh i think it's a a nice harmless way to interject humor into like this is a real life scenario for those vegan police there are people out there that will, you know, vilify people uh, just because of the fact of, of what they do or what they don't eat. You know, whether they're asking for it or not, they will make it a big scene. And, and that's what the vegan police do in this movie. Did you like the uh, the Captain Marvel uh, Brie Larson song that she was singing with uh, Brandon Routh on bass? I think Brie Larson in this movie was... This was like pre-breakout Brie Larson. This is when Brie Larson was making pop albums and modeling. Yeah. Like Legitimate pop. Like she yeah. was, yeah. she has albums, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. No, she's got, she has a discography. Um, discography and Oscar and tights in a Marvel movie. Like talk about versatility. Was there anything about this movie that was that hugely disappointed for you? We've talked about all these high points. Was there anything that every time it came up, you were just like, not this again. The only part that I was like, eh, I could kind of do without this was the twin DJ battle scene, which was good. It was just more of the things where it's like, I think it just went on a little too long. And it made me think of you because you gave... Uh, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness shit with the whole music fight. Well, there was a music fight in this, and I thought that was pretty cool. Same thing that I thought the Doctor Strange thing was cool too. So I don't know. Did you did you have any callbacks to Doctor Strange with when you saw that part? No, I thought of Shang Chi because of the dragons, and I thought you would have loved the dragon fight. <laughs> I, I it was fine. Uh, like I said, it just went on for a little too long. I didn't need to go back and forth. I was fine with just one and done. And and that's what it is. But yeah, I, I can't really say that there were things that I 
disliked about the movie. You know, one of the things that we haven't really talked a whole lot about, you know, we've, we've praised Michael Cera and we just think he's funny, but uh, Mary Elizabeth Winstead is Ramona Flowers. So number one, Ramona Flowers, if you saw her back in the day, maybe you're 22 years old and you saw her at a party uh, or she came into your dreams, would she be the girl that you'd be like, yeah, I need to find her? No, no, not my, the alternative thing. Didn't it like, I much like Michael Sarah was not um, socially prepared for that level of complexity and power <laughs> in a woman. That's a good, honest it answer took, though. It took years for me to be prepared to actually be an adult uh, in any level of relationship, any level of adultness. Um, and I'm still a child. Like, don't get me wrong. Like it's still a child. Um, though I do love that she got so much smoke and love for playing Hera. Um, so yeah, it just right. goes to show like, apparently Mary Elizabeth Winstead, like she carries it. She still got it. Still rock. She's it. awesome. And she's great in birds of prey. Like her character in birds of prey is freaking awesome. And she's just a badass in that. So I know you don't like that movie. I like that movie just fine. And part of it's because of her character. And um, yeah, for Ramona Flowers, for me, uh, right up my alley back in the day in high school, uh, I, I one of my very first girlfriends uh, had a very similar kind of look and flair to her like Ramona Flowers. But um, yeah, I, I think with her as the love interest in this, I think the only thing, if I were to be critical about it, is I wouldn't necessarily believe her as the end-all, be-all for Scott Pilgrim. That's the only thing that wasn't really believable for me. You know, I, I liked her because of my own personal preferences and tastes and, and just kind of that that connection to my my past. But at the same time, like I, I don't necessarily see that in the character uh, for them besides that one night that they're in bed together. Other than that, I, I think it's just like, yeah, this is just a person you hang out with. I don't think you're really that smitten with her. I think that if you look at Scott versus if you look at, at her, she's just much more established and confident. So that's kind of how I looked at that. He knows he needs to be that level of adult and she is. And, you know, how many other girls that he's, hanging out with or, or seeing are like even even brie larson the uh the 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 crazy ex-blonde girlfriend is uh still like coming back and giving him some level of you know adult level respect where she is nice to him and understands but she's like oh you poor thing wanted to ask you about something that you mentioned earlier so you're talking about like the gamer culture and and you know, video game homages to everything i love the fact that after he kicks the shit out of someone that coins fall yeah that to me is just like a perfect yeah. video game trope that um i think there's like so many how, how many video games has that like so many of them that you're like oh you pick up money after you beat the shit out of someone i was hoping that there was gonna be like a chicken leg or a turkey that fell from someone after beating them. So that way that, that's like power up to, to regain energy for the next fight. That would have been sweet, but uh, I, I'm perfectly fine with the coins and everything. Yeah, no, I, I think that there was, there was enough like video games sprinkled in to just, to just like peak the ears a little bit, get you in there. 
turn you back towards the screen. So yeah, I love it. And, 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 and also just the, the, like you got a weapon or it was a combo or all of the things like it, I know it was fantasy level fighting. Like it wasn't, it's non-realistic, but I thought it was done tastefully and just in a fun way that really fit in the whole flavor of the movie. Like from a vision and direction perspective, I mean, this is better than some Marvel movies we've seen. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, and Marvel movies don't really have that top notch of choreography or high level of choreography, right? Shang-Chi is like one of the very few just because of the type of martial arts that are being used, but not every Marvel movie does that. Winter Soldier is one of them that does, you know, have a really great uh, choreography and, and setup of that type of thing. But not all of them, you know, just fall under that particular banner of martial arts action, you know, or, or that type of dynamic action. But uh, I'm all good with it. But of course, we're making references to the MCU and everything. I think that kind of also leads us to a question that spurned from the MCU itself. But Mark, when it comes to Scott Pilgrim versus the world, can you do this movie all day? I think that as long as we've done this podcast, my definition of can do this all day varies and has varied since the beginning. Like when we started, it was a, I will watch this all the time. Like, this is on my phone. I brush my teeth to that shit, right? As opposed to something that I look upon fondly and would never fight watching again. And in that vein, I can do this all day. I don't think there's anything about this movie that's a turnoff for me. I enjoy it. I think it's fun. I wish it was more quotable. Like, there's some good one-liners, but there's just not, like, the perfect level of one-liners in it. Bread right. makes you fat. I, I know, That's but what... like I said, there's there's a few. There's a few. Yes, I can do this all day because I would watch this. And I think I would, it's not on the level of Shawshank, but I'd even Shawshank this. Like, find it in the middle and be like, oh, this is good. This is oh, like, okay, all right. Like, <laughs> like... like when traveling, if you're flipping channels, like back okay. like we used to in the 1900s, like, oh, not the worst thing we can leave this on no reason to go around the horn yeah okay fair enough like he kind of scared me there for a second like as much as uh you know this could be a good movie like i don't know if i'd put it on the same level as shawshank redemption no, but but... I, but but like i said like uh as somebody who travels a good amount for work yourself you know the feeling of having to flip through the damn channels at whatever hotel you're 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 sleeping in when you're too lazy to set up your own movie thing and, uh, you know, you're happy to see something that's at least decent. You agree with me on that point. Do you agree with me that you can do this movie all day? Break it down like I normally do. So uh, nostalgia, really high marks in nostalgia. The video game references, um, the the excellent use of music in this movie is another top notch uh, thing that Edgar Wright just does so well. Uh, the cameos and the people that are the cast that's in this movie. I like every single character in this movie. Um, and I hate Jason Schwartzman and is the, the characters that he plays, but I liked his character in this because it's just a well-rounded cast, but also a well-rounded type of battle of what this kid is trying to do to get the love of this 
random girl that just happened to pop into his dreams. So I, I, I like that. Very good balance of, you know, humor along with some realism. It, it calls back that nostalgic factor of like, oh, yeah, that's what dating was like, you know, for for me as a, a young male kind of being clueless as to how the opposite sex is and, and what the dating etiquette is, what you should say, what you shouldn't say, what you should do, what you shouldn't do. It was just kind of funny for me. And uh, overall, uh, yeah, I can do this all day for sure. Uh, it's something that is still on brand with uh, my love for comic movies, if you will. And I'll put that in air quotes, comic movies. But yeah, fantastic. I I'll watch this anytime for sure. I love it. I I'm I'm uh, happy to have uh, um, randomly suggested this and shocked that we found a movie we both agree on and that you're just not like taking a warm, steamy Vince on its head. I think you've done that way more often than I have for the record, but uh, that will we're, we're going to keep tabs of it in 2024. So we're, we're going to see how many times we shit on the movies uh, and we'll, we'll see who praises more movies as we go I mean, through everything. How many Stallone superhero movies can we do in a year? I don't know, but I, I will, I'll watch that one again and just do another podcast again. Cause we had such fun just trashing that. So, oh, so good. So good. Check out that episode of Samaritan. And by the way, if you ever want to check out the worst episode that we've, uh, or worst thing that we've ever watched for the podcast, it's now gone to the Star Wars Holiday Special, so check out that episode. But until next time, I'm Dan, the part-time adventure. That's Mark, the resident Jedi. Like, subscribe, and maybe watch this movie with your with your significant other and appreciate the fact that you're not out there having to deal with this shit that Scott Pilgrim did. Cupid shoots an arrow. I hope it hits you well. So happy Valentine's Day, everyone. We'll see you next time.